Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, I'm Scott Benjamin. Welcome to the podcast. I'm the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And my name is Ben, Ben Bolin, that is. Uh, Scott, I usually don't even say my last name because I'm the only Ben here. You're like the closest thing to the other Ben. Yeah, I guess so. Ben, uh, ben and Ben show. Ben and Benjamin. Ben and Benjamin? Doesn't really work. Benjamin and Ben? Yeah. Mr. B? Yeah. Sometimes I call you that in my head. Call the Benjamin Show, we're fine. Scott. Yeah. Let me tell you, just just momentarily, I think uh, the vehicles we're about to talk about are some of the coolest rounds. I know. You've been excited about this one since the very beginning, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I... I think I'm excited about it. I, I I really am. I like watching the footage of these vehicles. That's oh for yeah, sure. the, yeah. Uh, the the old old footage of this stuff because it's really really cool. It just looks surreal. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know about actually doing it myself. I'm not sure. I, Are you I, serious? Yeah, I think I think so. We'll we'll get to it. Okay. Well, we'll uh, it. all right. Let's let's destroy the dispense the suspense. Okay. Dispense with the suspense. Yeah, How about that? Very good. For any of our listeners who. Love the show so much they didn't even read the title. We're, yeah, talk <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Lunar Rovers today, yeah. which are, of course, the vehicles that uh, your friendly neighborhood rocket scientists and engineers at NASA and other uh, space exploration agencies uh, design for astronauts who mm -hmm. think, well, the moon's small, but it's a big place and I don't want to walk everywhere. Yep, driving on the moon. Driving on the moon, driving my friend. Driving on the moon. That's, that's got to be fun. I mean, it really does. I, I bet it is fun. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, we'll get to the very end before I, I say why, uh, why I may not want to do this. Okay. It's a fear. So we should start at the beginning and then go through the middle first. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I sorry. Can't, yeah, something like that. I yeah. saw, I saw some, I think that's from Alice in Wonderland. Or okay, something. gotcha. All right. So, uh, let's see. I, I guess, uh, in 1972, is that where we really... Well, I guess we could start one year earlier. Okay. Because that, that's the end of the program, really. Um, yeah, yeah. The Apollo missions, you're probably familiar with the Apollo missions, uh, they carried these lunar rovers with them to the moon. There were a lot of moon uh, a lot of moon exploration projects happening at the time, particularly uh, these missions here, uh, Apollo mission 15 through 17. 
Yes. And those were the missions that they carried lunar rovers with them. Um, the first one, the first person to drive in the moon. Can you imagine being that? Wouldn't that be cool? That would be, I would still be talking about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably is. I don't know. I'm not sure the uh, whereabouts <laughs> of David Randolph Scott, who was the first, um, he was an American astronaut, um, the Apollo 15 astronaut who first, his claim to fame was he first drove on the moon in 1971, other than being a really cool astronaut. Yeah, which is already I mean, in itself. Exactly. I mean, to cool. say you've been on the moon, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But to uh, to have driven on the moon, mm-hmm. even cooler. And to be the first, another notch. It's like impossibly cool. Yeah. It's yep. priceless. Yep. Uh, what kind of – these vehicles, what kind of rovers were these uh, 1972 well, ones it, like? The cool, they're called lunar, lunar roving vehicles. Okay. And they're electric because you can't have an internal combustion engine. There's no air to burn. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So they have to be electric. They've got two 36-volt batteries. Okay. Um, I, I guess we we don't need to go through the whole frame and every every little bit about it. Yeah, we don't have to. But basically, it has two seats that look like lawn chairs that are this woven mm. material. Um, I think that the astronauts were strapped into these with Velcro seatbelts. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Velcro seatbelts. Did you read about this? I, I had heard about this because yeah. they had to they had to hold them in somehow, and they had mm. other they had handholds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they held on. They had handholds. The the steering's a little different. Um, this thing was about the the original. LRV mm-hmm. was about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, right? Mm-hmm. About the size of a bug. So they're strapped on, and they had some, we call them, I guess for the radio, I'll call them OS handles. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know the ones in your car by the window where you, you grab on things. Um, they had something like that, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I would think it would be low because there's, no, yeah. there's no, there's no uh, body really built around this. It's yeah, like the a, position's different. It's yeah. like a rolling frame almost, really. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's electric. Um, they had, I think they had uh, their feet strapped in as well, so they didn't kind of float up because you know you've got to deal with that space. Did they? I, yeah, I they, could see that. That's cool. Foot straps or something to slide their feet into at least, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good idea. Um, there's no steering wheel. I think you just mentioned that, right? Yeah, the steering is a little different. Uh, stick control. Mm-hmm. T shape handle. Yeah. Oh, one other cool thing: the steering control I think was in the middle of the car so that either side could drive the vehicle because the stick control controls acceleration, braking, turning, mm-hmm. everything. So. Um, Either seat could could drive, which ties into something that we can talk about a little bit later in the show, which is uh, NASA's necessary obsession with redundancy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and there's a, a lot of good reason for that. In this oh case. yeah, a lot yeah. of really good reason for that in this case. I there mean, is imagine, no triple A in space, um, my friend. Imagine having a uh, yeah, flat tire. You know, you're several miles right, from right. the uh, from the. The uh, the spacecraft and you've got to get, somehow get back. So mm-hmm. um, this thing was capable of you know. One wheel could completely malfunction. The other three would be able to handle it. I don't know about if two happened to malfunction. That would be bad well. You'd news. have to kind of catty corner your way back. Exactly. They, they were all powered. Uh, they were all individually powered. They could all steer, mm-hmm. um, and they were made. This, this is pretty interesting. I thought the tires are made of. Uh, well, they've got aluminum frames. There's an inner and outer frame, mm-hmm. and they've also they're made of galvanized piano wire. Yeah, which is and, weird. Yeah, and they've got these titanium treads, I guess, that, mm-hmm. that have a chevron pattern cut into them. Um, so very, very strong tires, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, from what I remember, I think I remember hearing that one of the astronauts seems like he's a little rough on the lunar uh, lunar rover. Yeah. Um, one, <laughs> one, one astronaut in particular, and I wish I had the guy's name, and I, I want to say that it's uh, uh, Sir, Sermon? Is that his name? Uh, I Gene Sermon? 
Oh, yeah, Eugene Cernan. Yeah, I think he's the one. I, I think. And I don't mean to pin this on him if it's not him, right, but I know that right. he did... He he did do some accidental body damage to the lunar rover. Oh, with the uh, the hammer, on yeah. the spacesuit. Right? This is on the final mission on Apollo yeah. seventeen. Um, he mm-hmm. <laughs> the the hammer snagged a fender, I mm-hmm. guess, and uh, it ripped the fender off. And they can't really drive it without a fender because the, the moon's surface um, is full of dust. It's dusty it's full of and dust. sand. You know, just sand. Whatever the material is, we're there. static ever. Basically. Exactly. And so if they're driving through this, it's going to be flying all over them. They uh, they somehow fashioned a fender yeah. out of what I, they had. They MacGyvered it. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and make that a verb. They oh, go MacGyvered ahead. What, it. What they use? They used uh, a laminated map and some duct tape. See, I, that qualifies, right? Brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, astronauts really, are smart people, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, duct tape isn't that cool? They they fixed, they fixed it with duct tape. Yeah, it kind of gives me some credibility at home. Does it? Yeah, a little bit. I'm going to remember that. I'm, I'm going to re- reference uh, Commander Gene Cernan okay. next time I have to do some duct tape <laughs> And stuff. I think I, I think they said, and now I remember I said I didn't want to pin this on him. Right. But you remember the, the super tough tires I was telling you about, the piano wire yeah, tires? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he damaged a tire as well. Wow. I know. That's I know, tough. I don't know what he's up there doing. I mean, it's full of craters. The moon's a crazy place, Scott. It's guess, crazier than Vegas. I guess so. But you think you would protect this thing awful, uh, you know, just be a little more careful around it, I guess. Right. And it goes into redundancy no matter how much, uh, how much effort an astronaut or someone in the control room or in the design team makes mm-hmm. to create a perfect foolproof lunar vehicle. The truth is that We've barely been to the moon in humanity's history, so mm-hmm. everything we do is a prototype and learning experience. And check out this segue, Scott. Uh, NASA has also kind of learned from their mistakes and true and tried to evolve. Right? True. Yeah, they, they're evolving. Yeah, that's right. Because there there are more vehicles on the way other than the, the lunar rover. Um, there's a couple of prototypes that are well, they've been in the works for a long time, really, mm-hmm. um, and they've tested them. They've tested them in a desert environment. Um, First is the lunar truck. Yes. And the lunar truck is uh, it's pretty cool looking, really. Yeah. Kind of a cargo. It's very, very, um, I guess, job specific. Sure. It, you know, it, it's, um, it, I don't know if that's the right way or not, but it's not really for carrying people. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe two, can, two astronauts can, can ride this thing, but uh, the driver stands on a platform that can be raised and lowered, has a huge carrying capacity compared to the lunar rover, which I think could only carry... Um, you know, in addition to everything else, I think it could only carry about 60 pounds of, uh, of material, like moon rocks and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the moon, it's made mm-hmm. of blue cheese, and they wanted to bring a lot of it back. Right. So they brought... Um, for the chicken wings. Exactly. They had a lot of, um, well, not uh, just a reasonable amount of space for, mm-hmm. for moon rocks, things like that. Um, but they did have a lot of other weight, you know, some, some of the equipment, like the, you know, and yeah. just their suits themselves. The vehicle itself, you know, that's a lot of uh, stress on an electric vehicle. Because we're already talking hundreds of pounds, on the order of hundreds of pounds just with the, uh, let's see, wait, two astronauts in suits and backpacks, right? That's about mm-hmm. 800 pounds. Yeah. And so wow. what's interesting here, we shall also point 800 out. 800 pounds. I know, yeah. That's crazy. Those, they're tough. They're I tough guess people. So. But also we should point out, as everyone knows, gravity on the moon is not gravity on Earth. Mm-hmm. So some of these numbers might sound a little a little bit screwball like the LRV weighing about 460 pounds on earth but on the moon you know it, it it's different i understand yeah it's like um is it 
it's like one ninth or something. I want to say one sixth. One sixth. I think it's one sixth. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it does have a a pretty good carrying capacity. Yeah. I mean, based on its compared to its weight. Yeah. Um, And one one quick thing before we move on to uh, the lunar truck. Yeah. The Apollo. I, I believe that one of the lunar rovers was left on the surface of the moon. So all we have to do is pick I, it up. You know, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure about this, Ben. You know, but did you come across this anywhere in your research? Because I I meant to dig up more on this, and if I if you didn't, don't worry. It's, okay. But but I did find I, this. Intri- I apologize. I, that's all right. <laughs> I found this intriguing question because, yeah. um, and I promise we'll get to the truck. It's the ultimate garage find. There if was there a is one. Exa- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyways, the. Um, <laughs> I found this intriguing question. It was on a um, a science site. It was asking if you would be able to see the flag that the uh, astronauts have left on the surface of the moon or other objects that have been left up there. Oh, okay. And one of the things, and then this kind of pointed me in the direction that maybe it is still up there. Um, the, the the answer is no. You can't see anything on the moon that we've left there. And that makes the reason sense. is because we don't have telescopes large enough to do that on Earth. Uh, we have we just haven't built one that big. But the at the time of this writing, and I don't know if this has changed since, but uh, the largest telescope is the Keck telescope in Hawaii, which measure uh, which measures ten meters in diameter. Uh, the Hubble Space Telescope is two point four meters in diameter, just to give you a comparison. Okay. So this Keck telescope in Hawaii is ten meters in diameter. Um, to be able to see the lunar rover on the surface of the Earth, uh, of the surface of the moon, moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the moon, um, you would need a telescope that is 75 meters in diameter. So you're talking almost eight times the size of the largest that we have right now. That's massive. I mean, so, you know, the ones that you've got in your backyard, they, they point out that, you know, your six-inch or eight-inch telescope is not going to do it. In that I'm case. so tired of you ridiculing my telescope collections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, not going to Just not going to do it. That's even your, crazy, Even your 10-meter telescope. Eight is times large. Yeah, it has larger. to be. They said that it would require about a 75 uh, 75, 75 meter? meter in diameter telescope to see the the lunar rover that's left on the moon. Wow, I know. I, I for some reason thought you'd be able to spot that. Yeah, it's just logically it's strange that we could physically get there, mm-hmm. but not be able to see it. It's an awful long way away. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's what I hear about the yeah. moon. That's why I haven't been yet. It's a lonely place. Lunar trucks. Lunar trucks. I, yes, we started to get there. Yeah, yeah. I'm you sorry. I was jumping Go ahead out. and uh, hit okay. me with what you know about well, it. Well, we were talking about the driver, and one of the craziest things about this vehicle is that the driver has the perch, right? As mm-hmm. as you said, they can sit around. They can stand, yep. and they're almost at the center of the vehicle, on top everything. And the truck has these six wheels with two tires each, mm-hmm. and so the steering here, not to get too bogged down. Each wheel can be steered independently, cool. which has got to be incredibly complex for the driver. But, you know, it can, just like the older LRV, it can go forward, backwards, sideways, any combination thereof. Mm-hmm. It's like that elevator in Willy Wonka. You remember oh, yeah. at the yeah. very end of the movie? Yeah, it could go any direction. Yeah, yeah. N- not to spoil it for anybody, uh, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Are, like, are you talking about the early 1970s movie? Yes, yeah. Again. My favorite version. This has been around for 40 years, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah and... um so, you know, that's two podcasts in a row, I think, that you've given away the ending to a 40-year-old movie. I know, man. God, I'm really getting bad at this. <laughs> I need to... Okay. Uh, yeah. So it can... it can This... Not Willy Wonka's elevator, but this uh, lunar truck can go about 15 miles an hour with nothing on it. Blistering. Blistering. Blistering speed. Now, yeah. I think the LRV was capable of 12. 
still fastest thing on the moon. That's that is. <laughs> It'll blow anything else on the moon away. Right. Yeah. And oh, you know what? I just dug this up that uh, it's able to carry four astronauts. It's it four can carry astronauts. four astronauts at a time. But um, it's not pressurized. Yeah. So they have to have their suits on. Exactly. Yeah. Just so, like the older one. Yeah, like the old one. And that's that's a big deal. Um, huge deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal, and that gets into the reason why I don't want to drive one of these. But um, <laughs> if we want to talk about pressurized vehicles, they've got another one that is pressurized. Better for long ex- excursions on the moon. My absolute favorite. Is it really? This is my absolute you know favorite what? lunar vehicle. You have probably seen this one then, right? Have you mm-hmm. seen this one driving? I saw a video. Okay. Where Do you, you know it? which video I I'm saw? I'm going to guess. Go ahead. All right. Do you want to... Uh, I'll give you one guess because I know you know it. It was the inauguration. It was the inauguration Inauguration. of the president, of the current president. Yeah, it was at the tail end of the parade. Mm -hmm. And uh, this thing, you know, it just looked really cool on the road. It's like a space caboose. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And this is the one, if you saw the inauguration, you saw this this Mm -hmm. NASA vehicle that was uh, tooling down the Pennsylvania Avenue there. Um, Really cool looking thing. But the idea behind this one is that you're able to take it out for longer excursions and you're able to do um, more field work on the moon. Like three days you could drive on the moon. That qualifies as a road trip. Three days. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That, that would be cool. Can you imagine how far you could explore in three days? I mean, I don't know what the top speed is on this thing. Uh, six miles an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> Maybe not that far, but you could go uh, a reasonable distance. A reasonable distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty cool about this. This one, and in a way... This one kind of scares me, okay. maybe more than the others. And I'll, it, again, we'll get into that. Okay, but all right. um, a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, the, there. the cool thing about this one is it's it's self-contained. It has bathrooms, of course, the, the shower, and all that. Mm-hmm. It has all the scientific, you know, lab space that they would need. And um, I believe this one also has. Doesn't it have a, a second pressurized chamber? Yes, which is really cool. And this is a big deal to anybody that would be doing any kind of moon exploration because of the dust factor that we talked about before. Right. Um, prior to this, they would have to uh, pressurize and depressurize uh, the entire capsule. Every time the door opens. Exactly. And everybody would be, you know, everybody would have to do this. And they'd bring back in dust and sand and, you know, whatever else is out there. Um, you know, moon, moon men, particles, yeah. blue cheese, whatever. And um, <laughs> that's the second time. And um, so it, it, it was, you know, there's a potential for a lot of problems with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully with this one, there's going to be less possibility of uh, equipment malfunction due to the, the, the surface of the moon. And another reason that it's a very big deal to have an, a pressurized cabin that's mobile is the radiation or the potential for hmm. radiation, um, the, the enormous... I, I, I have to be honest with you, Scott, I can't name them all, but there's this overwhelming number of X factors mm-hmm. that apply when there is an astronaut out walking in, in just in a suit. Because technically, you know, walking on the moon is still an EVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have very little defense. Yeah, you're not protected by the atmosphere. Right. You're, you're, exactly. you're not shielded by anything. You're just mm-hmm. absorbing solar radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and hmm, this is a little bit off that, but uh, this thing is huge. Yeah, this thing. I mean, how I was, big is it? I, well, I was looking at this. Uh, the, <laughs> it's like a seventies game show. I know. The, right? uh, the, um, the specs on this thing are unbelievable. It weighs something like eight, uh, nearly nine thousand pounds. Crazy. Nearly nine thousand pounds. Which, as we said, it doesn't really matter. I guess that much when you get on the moon. Because yeah, those are Earth pounds, not yeah, moon pounds. Earth pounds. That's right. And it's uh, let's see, it's fourteen point one Earth feet high. 
<laughs> I like this. Let's yeah. do it all like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, let's not do that. It's about 14.8 feet long, and it's about 13 feet wide. So this is a, a monster, and you'll see it in the video. If you watch the inauguration video at the end, or you can mm-hmm. you can probably do a word search for it just for this uh, small pressurized rover. They call it the S, uh, SPR. Yeah. And uh, you probably would be able to find that just individually if you don't want to go through the whole inauguration mm-hmm. video. Do you know why this one's my favorite, Scott? Why is that? Because you can live in it, and it reminds me of a very heavily customized van. <laughs> you know what it does? It does look like that. I didn't think of that when I saw it, but um, yeah, I'd buy that. You know those van shows they have in Japan? If I could roll up there, oh, in my, in my, you know what? You would fit right in. This yeah. looks uh, this. The last picture on this article mm-hmm. definitely looks like uh, a customized van. But you still wouldn't want to drive one. Okay, here's the reason. Okay, here's the reason. I, and. I have no way to back this up. I mean, other than you know what they're telling me here in these in these articles and everything I've read through NASA, mm-hmm. you're very limited with uh, you know the the ability to carry your own air your air supply. Sure. Let's say that you get in this rover and you travel. They've got a they've got a minimum distance, and I'm going to flip through as we're talking here because there's a there's a minimum distance that they, or a maximum distance that they could travel. Oh, uh, it's a uh, for the. Pressurized one, it's 144 miles. Okay, that's that's a significant distance. That yeah, that has its own problems. I'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. um, but okay. you're talking about that's the, not that's not your spacecraft. That's not no. how you get home. So no. that that's the problem. Let's say you get 100 miles away. Uh huh. Okay. Reading uh, going back to the lunar rover, the original lunar rover. I believe that they said that there's a distance maximum of somewhere around. 20 miles, I think, wasn't right. it? Yeah. Now, they've never actually gone farther than about six miles away from the original spacecraft, their spacecraft. And that's because the fear that if this thing broke down and they weren't able to get back, they would have to be able to make it, they'd have to be able to walk back from mm-hmm. wherever they break down. And how much oxygen do they have with it, the suit? Exactly. Let's say that you're six miles away and you've got about en- enough oxygen to make it four miles. What do you do? See my problem here? I see. I, yeah, I that, see your problem. That's a big problem, and I, I know they've got this all figured out. They've got this all developed, but but the, mm. the thing with the the uh, the pressurized vehicle is that you get long, long distances away, and if this thing breaks down or there's a problem with with the systems within that, yeah, how much air can you carry, and also how far can you really walk on the surface of the moon carrying your own supply? I don't know how far you would possibly be able to get if you took all of the supplies you had with you. Mm-hmm. I know you're not carrying the samples and everything because that falls by the wayside at that sure. point. But just trying to get yourself back to safety, which would be your spacecraft, mm-hmm. how far could you get back? I mean, if you take that distance, but if it has 144 miles range, half of that is, uh, what, something, 70-something. Right. <laughs> 72. 72 yeah. miles. So you could be potentially 72 miles. They wouldn't push it that far, but you could be mm-hmm. 72 miles away. Are you going to walk 72 miles to get back? No, I'm probably going to die on the moon. See? See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. But I think I know that's that, a valid but, point. But you also brought up the redundancy thing. And yes. That, and there's so much redundancy built into these that it's it's safe. It really is safe. But this is serious business, Scott. I mean, it's you say it's safe. I only disagree because I believe it's as safe as it can be, mm-hmm. which is still tremendously unsafe, my friend. Let us not forget yeah. we're strapping people to a rocket Correct. and shooting them. You yeah. know, it's it's a long way. <laughs> yeah, it's not safe to get there. Either. I mean, you're taking risks right from the point the mm-hmm. the uh, the rockets ignite. Um, but I would still love to do it. I, you know what? I would love to do it also. But I would always have that fear in mind that I'm going to be walking back to the uh, to the spacecraft. So I don't think I would venture too far. 
Really, man? You're going to stay in the spaceship I, I while I take stay, the rover I, out? No, you know what? I would I would go a safe walking distance in it. I know it sound, <laughs> I sound like an old man or something, right? No, no. But, I, I, like, maintain line of sight with the spaceship, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I don't know if I would, uh, you know, get myself to the point where you can't see the space, uh, spacecraft and... Um, and something's going wrong. Well, I don't want to end this on a down note, but I do have a maybe a little bit of good news for you okay. with that with that sobering that uh, concern. Well, it it shouldn't cheer you up, but I, I fear that it will. Uh, NASA and uh, the current administration are having some some funding readjustments, so our plan to get to the moon uh, that that we have been working on earlier, and it and actually during which our uh, article on the site was written, mm-hmm. uh, may not be the same. So you probably won't have to worry anytime soon about getting drafted <laughs> to drive that rover. Really? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun. Right. Because it it would be fun. I agree. But would you do it in the desert on Earth? Yeah, I would. Yeah, okay. I would. I would. But um, you're in a different ballpark when you when the car breaks down and suddenly you can't breathe. That's okay. True. That's dramatic, but you know what I mean. Well, if, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you're uh, you're trying to hoof it back ten miles, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got six miles worth of oxygen. Now you can jump a lot farther in the moon too. You could go <laughs> a lot. True. You can kind of pogo back. <laughs> Maybe I could just kind of float horizontal to the surface, and you could push me. What? I would use my oxygen so much faster yeah, I, than well, you. I, maybe you had more than me. You would leave me there, man. They would say, there's a dead astronaut <laughs> four miles away from the rover. And another one somehow floated to safety. <laughs> one floated to safety. <laughs> I guess I guess we're done now. Yeah, I right? hope so. Yeah, that's about okay. it. That's my uh, unfounded fear. That's uh, You know, we can't end it on unfounded fear. How about some listener mail? Love listener mail. All right, Scott, so uh, Vicente writes in and says, Hi, guys, it's Vicente. He said some other stuff, too. Okay. Uh, he, he said that uh, he listened to our podcast about DeLoreans, and he wanted to very politely give us a correction on the timeline. The movie Back to the Future was released in 1985, long after the brand had gone belly up, but in 1980, not in 1981. The car was used because of its looks, not as a marketing strategy by DMC. The fact that the brand was no longer around was a major point in choosing the vehicle because the studio, he says, could do whatever it wanted without having to fear uh, lawyers for suing them for misrepresentation or copyright infringement. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought I thought that possibly the film was shot, you know, how it's shot two years beforehand or right. three years yeah. beforehand. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there was a chance that the... the uh, uh, the company is still around at that point, but on the tail end of you know mm-hmm. going out of business. Um, interesting that, that to know yeah. that it, you know was never around when the movie was was released. And I, you know, either way, that's I think the most interesting point because yeah. that seems pretty clever on the movie maker's part to, to continue to use that vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And they're able to do what they want with it. I've got something that's in- incredibly related. That, All right. uh, d- this is just by chance. I was going to save this for another podcast, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to. Oh, let's do it right now. Let it fly right now. All right. One week ago, I spotted a, a DeLorean right here in, in Buckhead, which on on the road, which is kind of unusual because usually see them in in I see them in garages and barns and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. This was kind of crazy. It's, it was right here in Buckhead. It was in a parking lot in a, uh, a shopping center. Uh, looked beautiful, by the way. Nice and shiny. Um, the original stainless steel. It had a Fulton County plate, so that's a Georgia, yeah. uh, it, probably Atlanta. Atlanta Metro County. The license plate was McFly 1. 
No way. I, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It was really neat. It was in good shape. Yeah. Uh, as far as I could see, exterior anyways. But I drove by it twice. Uh, just, you know, because that's me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to get out and peek in just in case the owner came back and was angry or something. But I, I wrote down the license plate because I figured I wanted to remember this for, you know, another podcast. Mm. And here we are talking about DeLorean again. So that's a shout out to uh, McFly1 there. Yeah, that's right. If, if he or she's listening in the, uh, the Buckhead area, how'd he do? Nice car. Yeah, nice car. Nice car is what we have to say. Yeah. And, uh, to all our listeners out there, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you happen to be an astronaut and we got something wrong, we, we do apologize. Um, but also, thanks for listening. And whether or not you're an astronaut, if you have any suggestions for uh, upcoming episodes, topics, or uh, anecdotes, which we love, uh, then send us an email. At highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.